the day of Pentecost. Fifty days after Passover, for some, a harvest festival. For others, they believed, well, some rabbis believed it commemorated the day when the law was given to Moses himself. But for the early followers of Jesus, it marked the day when the Spirit of God was given out so freely and liberally to all who were willing, all who were listening, all who were willing to be a part of what God was now doing. We welcome you here. It isn't always easy to sit still for about an hour, you know. It isn't always easy to focus and to listen for that still, small voice, to find that nudge, that direction. May you find what you need this morning as we are listening on this day of Pentecost. Theologian Dale Bruner referred to the Holy Spirit as the shy member of the Trinity. The shy member of the Trinity. Shy? It is interesting what happens when the Spirit comes. Do you remember this one from the time of Moses? It's in Numbers chapter 11. The Spirit falls on about 70 of the elders. And throughout the entire area, they are prophesying. They are doing whatever happens when the Spirit falls on you. And a young man runs up to Moses and reports that a couple of them, they are, prophes- they are speaking for God in the camp because the Spirit has fallen on them. And Joshua says to Moses, you need to stop them now. Shut it down. And Moses says, are you jealous on my account? Are you afraid this is going to undermine my authority or... Are you concerned that I'm the only one that can speak for God? And Moses says, would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. It happens. It will happen. Or how about this story from the time of King Saul? King Saul is looking for David, and he is looking to harm him. David's wife tells him, you better do something today, or that man's going to kill you before the day is over. And so David goes and finds the prophet Samuel and hides with him. And Saul sends a group of men to find him. And when they get there, they see this band of prophets, which I always thought would be a great name for a rock group, the band of prophets. They see this band of prophets doing whatever. The Spirit of God comes on them, and they're just kind of in a frenzy, and they are speaking for God, and the Spirit falls on them, and they do the same thing. And Saul sends a second group, and the same thing happens to them. Saul sends a third group, and the same thing happens to them. And finally, Saul goes, I'll do it myself. And he goes, and he arrives, and there's the band of prophets, and things are out of control, and the Spirit falls on Saul himself. And he tears off his clothing, which is still disturbing to us Baptists. And there he is, on the ground, all day and all night. And the people are saying, is Saul? Is Saul now one of the prophets? The shy member of the Trinity? Mm. Unpredictable? Yeah. Uncontrollable? Probably. And 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus meets with his followers and tells them, I'm leaving. 
And this is what you need to do. You go to Jerusalem and you wait. Just wait. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then and only then will you be ready to serve up what the world really needs. And that brings us to our biblical text for today. Acts chapter 2 beginning with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes. Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. (laughs) This is the word of God for the people of God. Oh, the day of Pentecost. In the 17th century, the church sang this. Lead us, Holy Spirit, in holiness throughout our whole life long that we may know the worthlessness of carnal lust so strong. Wow, what a song to sing. Oh. And sometimes we get nervous not singing about the Spirit, but just talking about the Holy Spirit. But leave the Western world. Go to Africa, China. Go to South Korea. And the Holy Spirit just seems like a natural process, a natural part of who God is and what God is doing in the world. In the last century, Edward Schweitzer told the story uh, about missionaries that were working with new converts in Africa. And this one particular, at this time, Edward Schweitzer was talking to this one man who was in Africa. And he was telling them about this missionary who made some suggestions to them, uh, some rules that the church needed to follow, some rules that the Christians there needed to embrace. This is how they should live as a Christian. And this African man, and I just love his wisdom, agreed that it would be a splendid idea if the Holy Spirit rather than the missionary was suggested to the congregation. Wow. Do we trust? Do we trust the Spirit in our lives? Have we learned to live without listening for the Spirit? Have we learned to live without watching or waiting or even needing the Spirit in our lives? So what comes to mind when you think about the Holy Spirit? Or or if you're maybe a part of an older 
uh, generation, do you, you remember Holy Ghost? That's, that's the way I always heard it growing up, yeah. Perhaps it's as the hymn suggests, the spirit is the opposite of everything uh, natural or, or fleshly or worldly. Or for some, they have said the Spirit can only be found in and through the church, in some ways guaranteeing a place where the people can encounter the Spirit, but also seeking to control what that encounter would be like. Others, like the Reformer, said it actually isn't through the church, it's through Scripture, it's through the written Word. It's when you sit and read the Word and meditate, that's when you will encounter the Spirit of God. And others have said, actually, you need to turn inwardly. You need to turn inward to your heart hard and listen that is where the spirit of god is dwelling that's where you will find and encounter the spirit one thing we know when the holy spirit comes people change they just change when the holy spirit comes people's attitudes change about god and about other people about each other some people lose control the spirit's always been there you'll remember these verses from genesis chapter one in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void and darkness was on the surface of the deep and the spirit of god was moving the the breath of god was moving the wind of god And the word for spirit and wind and breath, it's the same word. And every time we encounter it, we're trying to figure out exactly which one it is. And there's this image of the presence of God, the breath of God, the wind of God, the life of God hovering over the waters because something is about to happen. Or in Exodus chapter 15, Moses sings these words, At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. At the blast of your nostrils and blast. It's it's the same word. Same word for spirit. Same word for breath. Same word for wind. At the the spirit of your nostrils. At the breath, at the wind, at, at that which brings life unpredictable, uncontrollable. It happened before. We believe it will happen again. And if you ever give up, if, if you ever think there's some desperate human out there and that, is, that person is now beyond the reach of God, that God has even given up on this person I direct you to the story that's in 1 Samuel chapter 10 and King Saul is traveling and he meets up with a a band of prophets again and the spirit falls on him and he convulses and starts speaking for God. And to use the words of Samuel the prophet, Samuel is turned into a different person. Because when the Spirit comes, people change. 
And so I redirect our attention now to Acts chapter 2. 120 or so individuals, followers of Jesus, have been waiting and waiting and waiting, and the Spirit falls on them. And for the rest of this summer, we are going to unpack what that means for them, what that means not only as individuals but as congregations as they have gathered, what happens when life is good, how do they respond, what happens when life is challenging. What happens when God brings them new opportunities? What happens when life brings hardship, even persecution their way? What happens when God works miracles and performs deliverance for them? What happens when some of them suffer and even die for their faith? And so let's begin with just a few things that we know. When the Holy Spirit falls on these people, they are changed. And here are a few, a few of the things that we will notice. The first one is faithfulness to Jesus, fidelity to Jesus, loyalty to Jesus, an openness to who Jesus is and the mission that Jesus brought and what Jesus is doing in the world. Some of you know the theologian named J.I. Packer who talked about the work of the Spirit as a floodlight ministry, never focusing on the Spirit himself, but always focusing on on Jesus, always focusing on God's gift to our world. And so if you find someone, if you listen to someone, if you encounter someone and they want to flaunt their gift of the Spirit, they want to flaunt what God is doing through them, just walk away because if it's really of the Spirit, the Spirit is going to be focusing on Jesus. That's a good place for us to begin today. With each one of these, Time for us to do a little inventory. Am I allowing the Spirit to work in my life? Am I allowing the Spirit to nudge me in this direction? What is it about my life that's now pointing other people towards Jesus or shining the light on Jesus himself? Some of you know the name Fred Craddock, this well-known, this incredible preacher. He tells the story about going out to the West Coast to a seminary, and there he's going to lecture. And it's the beginning of the first lecture, and a student stands up and asks him this question before the lecture even begins. And he said, before you speak, I need to know if you are Pentecostal. And Dr. Craddock was a bit surprised by it, a bit taken aback and he said well do you mean do I belong to the Pentecostal church and the student said no I mean are you Pentecostal and Dr. Craddock said well are you asking me if I'm charismatic and the student said I'm asking you if you're Pentecostal and Dr. Craddock said well do you want to know if I speak in tongues and the student said I want to know if you are Pentecostal and Dr. Craddock said, I don't know what your question is. And the student said, obviously, you are not Pentecostal. <laughs> and the student got up and left. And there's something about the presence of the Spirit that brings us back to Jesus, always leading us there. And other things that don't divide. They're not really the priority. Coming back to the one who really unites us. We also notice and see presence. God's presence in the world is through the Holy Spirit. 
Oh, that will become abundantly clear as we move through the book of Acts this summer. We don't bring God into the world. God is already there. As you go out and you serve it up this summer, going on mission trips and camps and and studies that are taking place here and opportunities to make a difference in the world, you aren't taking God there. God is already there. God is already there working with people, already there responding to people's hurts and needs and wants and prayers and longings and struggles. The presence of God already working in the world. And occasionally we get to catch a little taste, a glimpse. Sometimes it is through music. Sometimes it's through nature. Sometimes it's through rest and quiet. Sometimes it's rolling up our sleeves and finally realizing we're catching up to where God is and where God is already working. The third one is freedom. The early church will struggle with this. We struggle with it. When the Spirit is there, there seems to be this unprecedented freedom. This one could, this one maybe should make us a bit nervous, but it is God's way. It's the opposite of legalism. It's the opposite of trying to control who's in and who's out and making sure everyone has the same experience I have or or, or it must meet this criteria or, or it must check off these boxes. Instead, the church will have to wrestle with, wait a minute, we didn't know God was going to love them. Wait a minute, we didn't know the Spirit was going to be given to them just like us. That makes them just like us. Wait a minute, we didn't know when the Spirit comes all these kinds of things could happen. Wait a minute, people's lives are really being changed. And now I have to change how I respond who I serve, who I love. Are we ready? Years ago, Tom Long, before he was a seminary professor, was a pastor of a church, and he announced one Sunday that he was going to begin a pastor's class. It would be a way of introducing people to the basics of the Christian faith, and so he said, if you are new to the faith or if you are new to our church, please come to this class. It will begin next Sunday. He was very excited about it until he walked in the room. There were three people in the room, three children, three little girls showed up for the pastor's class. He tried to hide his disappointments. He did not want to discourage them, and so he began working several weeks with them, doing the best that he could and teaching them about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to discover our own gifts and our abilities and to listen for God's voice. And it just so happened that one of those weeks was the week leading up to Pentecost. And so he said to these three girls, do you know, girls, do you know what Pentecost is? And they said, no. And so he said to them, well, Pentecost was when the church was seated in a circle and tongues of fire came down from heaven and landed on their heads and they spoke the gospel in all the languages of the world. And he said two of them took it with no change whatsoever, but one of them sat there with eyes as big as saucers and then said, Reverend Long, we must have been absent that Sunday. And the beautiful thing about it isn't that she misunderstood what he was saying. The beautiful thing about it is that she actually thought that could have happened to her church. She just wasn't there that Sunday. 
Do we believe it can still happen? Do we believe that the Spirit is the presence of God still in the world, working everywhere? And are we ready for the kind of freedom that the Spirit brings because that's just who God is and where God works and who knows what may happen? Because when the Spirit comes, the Spirit also brings guidance. And I almost wanted to say energy, so maybe I should say guidance and energy. There's something that happens when the Spirit comes that the church can't sit still. The church can't just stay. The church can't just be status quo. And the church is listening. It's an incredible story. It's only a few verses, just a little over a paragraph in Acts chapter 16. And Paul is traveling. He's clearly on the main highway, and he's going to major cities, and he's preparing to go to the next city and to preach the gospel. And the Holy Spirit says, you can't go there and preach, which is kind of an interesting concept to think. I'm ready to go and to spread the good news of Jesus in Cock County. And Jesus says, no. And so Paul goes, okay, well, I, then I'll go over here. And the Spirit says, no. And Paul goes, then let's go over there to that city. They need to hear about Jesus. And the Spirit says, no. No which is a great place to pause and to say, isn't it good news that even the Apostle Paul has trouble figuring out the will of God? Have you struggled at times going, I'll go wherever God wants to be. If God would just tell me, I'm happy to go do that. I'm happy to be there. I'm happy to work there. I'm happy to be a part of that. I just can't figure it out. Well, you aren't the first and you aren't the last. And the, the journey is part of the faith journey. And in the middle of the night, Paul has this vision. And there's a guy from the other side of the pond. There's the guy across the sea from Macedonia saying, come over here. And Paul decides, that's where the Spirit wants us to go. And that's the next place they go. And that's when the gospel goes to Europe for the first time. And it's not where he wanted to go. And the Spirit guides and provides all that we need. It's our theme this summer, serve it up. Where does the Spirit want you to serve? Where does the Spirit want to nudge you and direct you? And it, it may be very clear. You may have to listen along the way. You may be surprised one day. Oh my goodness, I'm exactly where, I'm exactly where God was already working. Look at this incredible God moment. I wasn't prepared for. So let's add one more. One more. And the Spirit creates community. There's something about unity that happens when the Spirit is there. It isn't always evident. It isn't always the first response. Joshua to Moses, you need to stop this. They're going to undermine your authority. Ah, I wish all of them had. And so there's the church. An incredible description in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4. And an incredible opportunity as they come together and they share. They, they take care of each other's needs. And then you turn the page to chapter 5 and chapter 6. And then you realize, wait a minute. There's, 
our humanness is, is still there, even in this new Christian community. And so a group of people come and they find the apostles and they tell them, we've got a problem. There are now, and the word is Hellenists, they're Greek-speaking Jews, they've been influenced by Greek culture. Food is being distributed to people who don't have it. And the widows of the Greek-speaking people have been left out. It appears to be an intentional oversight. They're not one of us. They don't speak the same language. They have different customs. But there they are in the church. There they are, gifts of the Holy Spirit. There they are. So they decide, let's appoint seven people. Let's appoint seven people. We really can't deal with all of these problems. The apostles say we, we need to be focusing on prayer and on teaching. We follow Jesus all these years. We're figuring this out. We need to pass this on. So we need to appoint some individuals who will take care of these kind of daily concerns and matters. We think this is the forerunner of the deacon ministry, people serving, and they, they appoint seven people. Seven individuals. Their names are listed off, and, and the first name is a, a, is a Hellenistic name. And the second name is a Hellenistic name. And the third name is a Hellenistic name. And the fourth name and the fifth name and the sixth name and the seventh name. And the apostles said, wait a minute, this minority group is being overlooked, so let's give them some power. Let's give them, let's put them in charge of it. Let's, let's be sure this is taken care of. Let's, let's really create community. Because when the Spirit comes, People are changed. In just a moment, we're going to share in the Lord's Supper. You may come from a tradition that uses that Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist, giving thanks. It's a moment for all of us to gather around the table. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. In our church, we practice what we call open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be Baptist. We ask that you are a follower of Jesus and that you take these moments to prepare yourself. And so, as you are beginning this day of Pentecost, is the Spirit bringing you closer to Jesus? Is the Spirit moving you into the world to be a part of God's mission and God's purpose? Are you free from the chains that have been ruining your life, discovering not just the power and thrill of the Spirit, but the freedom that allows you to be obedient to who Christ is? Are you willing to be part of an authentic community, one that's guided by love, by sharing, by giving? The Lord's Supper is about memory. Remembering what happened. Remembering what Jesus did. And remembering who we are as Jesus' people. Will you take just a moment and let's prepare ourselves on this Pentecost day. And so, Lord, 
we are quiet. We are longing for your presence. We're longing to be changed by your spirit. But we also confess our fear of what that may mean. Of where that may call us. To where you may move us. Come, Holy Spirit, anyway. Come and change us. Jesus said, when you were offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, you really should leave your gift there and go and be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come back. Then come back before God. So in the community to which God has now called us, where is God leading you? How is God seeking to change you? And the Apostle Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body that's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may take your time and unpackage that little piece of bread and remember, remember as we share together. In the book of Acts, they give us this wonderful summary. As the early church begins this journey, they all come together. Incredible signs and wonders being done. And they decided that they would have all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and distributed proceeds to all as anyone had need. Day and night, they spent time together in the temple they broke bread at home. They ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. So how is the Spirit moving you? How can you share this week? How can you go where God is already working? In the same way also after supper, taking the cup. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us share together.
We are the people of God. You are the people of God. You are God's plan for what happens tomorrow, next week. You are God's plan for lives to be changed, for people to be loved, for God's presence to go and be felt in incredible ways, not with fear, with joy and gladness of heart. Will you stand as we sing together?